This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Francisco Alvarez just tied the game on a solo shot for the Mets, so that's a 4-4 game in the bottom of the sixth inning. Two outs for the Giants. Mets looking to take another series. Eight and two of their last ten games. That homer uh, for Francisco Alvarez. So it's a nice sight to see for Mets fans. I don't know how how much you're going to get out of him offensively, but if this is a guy that's going to be in your lineup every day, you need him to produce. And so far, he hasn't really done so. So for him to hit that home run tonight, that's a, a, a nice sight for the Met fans, especially for an offense that we know is going to have some challenges scoring runs. If you can get... You know, Brett Beatty and, and Jeff McNeil. You can get other guys, Marte, around Lindor and Alonzo, who you know are going to give you power. If you can get those other guys to step up, this could be a really a formidable team going forward. 800-919-3776. We're just talking to Jacob uh, during the, 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 the break here about how underwhelming so far this first round has been. Really outside of Warriors-Kings, that's a 2-2 series now headed back to Sacramento where you're going to get you know the the light the beam and you're going to get that that fan base riled up in a game 5 because there is a chance the Warriors are done losing games in this series just because they might have found their swagger Draymond Green was awesome down the stretch on defense Steph Curry a mind-boggling turnover Steph Curry called a timeout. They had no timeouts left, so they forfeited possession. And the Kings had a a, a, a technical foul, hit a three. So it was just they were staring at a disaster. You would never see Steph Curry make those mistakes. But just as far as all the first round matchups, like the Knicks, Cavs has been exciting, but you know two of the games have been blowouts. Bucks Heat lost luster when Giannis went out, so hopefully he can come back. Celtics Hawks uh, the Hawks shouldn't even be in the playoffs the Celtics are up 10 now in, in game four they're going to take a 3-1 lead you've got Sixers Nets that was a sweep and the Nets could have won game three could have won game four but they just don't have anybody to close games you go out to the Western Conference I was talking about injuries earlier I forgot to mention Kawhi and Paul George those are two more injuries that have been significant Kawhi just at this point I don't know how much we can expect from him because the, they, they load managed he missed an entire season came back this year load managed and still got hurt in the playoffs so I like what can you expect from him from, from him going forward he's got one of the oddest careers right he's got two finals mvps he's won championships with two different teams but he's never been an mvp he's never like overwhelmed you in a regular season he's just one of the greatest playoff performers i've ever seen you look at his numbers but he's also can't stay on the floor so that that clippers sons you know clippers sons series that could have been great down the drain now You've got the Lakers, Grizzlies. It's just the Grizzlies are an immature team. Morant, he was phenomenal yesterday. We thought we might lose him for the series with a hand injury. Yes, that series can still be entertaining. I think the Lakers will probably wrap it up in five or six. You've got um, you you have the the Wolves and Nuggets. That's probably probably going to end in a sweep tonight. So you just haven't had any of the the playoff series that were supposed to be like intriguing you haven't had that like oh my god this is a classic just hasn't happened and it's been it's been very 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 disappointing 
But we'll see what happens going forward with, with the rest of those series. I tease this before we get back to the phone calls. Uh, what's unfolding for uh, in this series is the best-case scenario for the front office. You remember at the start of the series, we said the worst-case scenario would be you lose, Donovan Mitchell is awesome, he knocks you out of the playoffs, and R.J. Barrett stinks, the guy you should have traded for him. What's happening now, since Donovan Mitchell's been absent post-game one, and you're dominating the series, we can quell the noise a little bit about the non-trade. I still think it's a trade we should have made. I'm not going to back off that. And... Donovan Mitchell, I, I know he's struggled in this series. You give the Knicks perimeter defenders and the interior defense a ton of credit because now he's just hoisting up threes, doesn't really feel comfortable and confident going to the basket and, and getting into you know his comfortable positions. You, st- you still would rather have him on the team, but you're not going to have that conversation be as loud if you win this series and he struggles. It's not going to be something that you particularly think about during the offseason if the Knicks move on and let's say, let's say they lose in five to the Bucks. Mike Greenberg earlier tweeted this out. Donovan Mitchell is a superstar, which is uh, I already disagree with that, but Donovan Mitchell is a superstar. This just wasn't his day. However, it cannot be ignored that the Knicks are in total control of this series largely because of the players they didn't trade for him. And that's accurate. They are in total control of this series largely because of the players they didn't trade for him. The guys like, you know, RJ and, and OB and, and Emmanuel quickly, like those guys have been major contributors. I still would contend you'd rather have Donovan Mitchell. But again, we get to the end of this series where you smoke the Cavs and let's just say RJ continues to play well and Mitchell struggles, then that noise is going to be extinguished to some degree. Last two games for Donovan Mitchell, he's 14 of 37. That is no bueno. 800-919-3776. Miguel in Virginia. What's up, Miguel? What up, man? What up, Ty? You know, I'm really from the Bronx, but, you know, I'm residing right here in VA nowadays um, for the past seven years. I'll be tweeting you. I'm um, Donnell's New York tweets. Oh, what's up, man? How you doing? What up? up, You said something Um, to me earlier today. uh, you said something to me not too long ago. Uh, you said not. Was it not Tidy Butler being accountable for his words? Exactly, I always, bro. I always hold exactly, myself accountable. Dog. I always uh, hold myself accountable. Don't don't play real? those games. Of course I you do. You sure about that? I, I'm very sure about that. Copy. Because if R.J. Barrett has scored his 19 points, Julius Randle was a no-show again offensively, and I'm not going to be mad at him because... He's been holding the team down for the regular season. He got us here. He's the reason we're here. But when RJ had to step up, he stepped up. He did. And in game four, he did it again. Yeah, he and did. You have you have to be holding yourself accountable to that. Uh, but, but what am I holding myself accountable for? Being critical of him ahead of that? I, the, the criticism was warranted. I, I mean, it has been warranted. I was I was agreeing with you about that. His game has is, is been not like it's been okay. Like so you agreed with me. What what do I need to hold myself accountable for then? No, listen to me. I agree with the the his lackluster play, but the fact the the being positive, being he needs reinforcement. That's all we was doing. Nobody wants him to be Jason Tatum. Nobody wants him to be a superstar. We want him to be the best he can be. And when he comes up big, we need to salute him for that. 
But if like well, all we're gonna do is tear the man down, no. we need we need you know what I'm saying. But we haven't torn him down on the show today, Miguel. I I I gave him the proper credit. I said he was fantastic today. He played a a good game in game three. He was phenomenal today. And not just about the the 26 points on 9 of 18 shooting. I broke it down about his decision-making, his decisiveness, his attack in the basket, his willingness to take on the challenge of going up against the number one, the league's number one defense from the regular season and and failing to be be denied. I I gave him tons of credit for it. I'm just saying I'm not apologizing for criticizing a guy who gave us a million reasons to criticize him. That's all I'm saying. And I appreciate the call. I, I appreciate the call, Miguel. I, I do got to run because coming up next, ESPN insider, NBA insider, Bobby Marks is going to join us. We'll talk We'll talk about this series, and then we'll talk about the rest of what's happening in the NBA playoffs. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Knicks beat the Cavs this afternoon, and they take a 3-1 series lead to Cleveland ahead of Game 5. That'll take place on Wednesday, a game you can hear right here on 98.7 ESPN as the Knicks look to get to the second round for the first time in a decade. And with that, we go to the phone lines, and we bring on a special guest, ESPN NBA insider Bobby Marks joins the program. Bobby, how you doing today? Thank you for joining the show. I'm good. Thanks for having me. So, quick question for you. This was a highly anticipated series. Talk about the Knicks and the Cavs. The expectation was that this was going to be a long, drawn-out one. You could see a guy going either way. How are the Knicks up 3-1 in this series, Bobby? Well, I mean, I think it's certainly, I mean, it's little things. You know, certainly, you know, the game, game one and then, um, you know, game four, they've out-rebounded them, offensive rebound, second-chance points. Um, you know, I mean, that's kind of the difference in, in some of these playoff games as far as you get extra possessions. Uh, the, the Knicks star players have played better. You know, certainly you, you're probably not expecting Donovan Mitchell to go for two points uh, in, in the second half. Um, you know, I mean, they, they, they basically have outworked them the whole series. And, you know, I thought Tibbs going to that lineup, um, I guess that was in the middle, you know, the start of the fourth quarter that they've never used before with, you know, with Barrett, Brunson, Hartenstein, um, you know, Toppin, um, you know, that group there, um, you know, that that certainly was a little bit, you know, certainly a, a difference maker here. So I don't think the series is over. I mean, I've been in series where we've been down, you know, when I was in New Jersey, we were down 3-1 and got it to its seventh game. And, um, you know, I would expect, I'd be, you know, I would expect this to go back to New York for, you know, eventually for game six, but, Certainly, uh, New York has played at a high level. They've been, they've been they were consistent at those two, uh, you know, the two home games. And as I said, it's it's just the little things here. They basically have outworked them. They've, you know, they've been tougher than them. And we'll see what happens. You know, when teams are have their backs against the wall like Cleveland does now, um, you know, you come you either you come out with a fight or um, you know this series will be over Wednesday night. 14 of 37, Donovan Mitchell, the last two games, certainly something that I, I could not have expected. When you look at a guy who throughout his career has been phenomenal in the playoffs, is do you think the pressure of playing the Knicks, a team that we all expected him to be, not all expected, but we thought he could have been traded to was getting to him? Is, is he in his own head? What do you think's going on with Donovan Mitchell? Is the, is the offense not nuanced enough because they have two great scorers, but just uh, outside of that, they don't really have much to offer? What's going on with him? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I don't know about the pressure of playing in, in New York. I mean, I think it's, I think he's forced a lot of things. He's turned the ball over certainly a lot. You know, there were points last year in that Dallas series he struggled. You know, we all think of Donovan Mitchell as the playoff version um, in the in the Orlando uh, in the Orlando bubble. I mean, his track record in the playoffs is kind of, you know, certainly spotty here. And I mean, you got to give it give New York credit. Uh, they've made it awfully uncomfortable for him. Um, you know, outside I guess of that, um, you know, of the first two games here. So it's a little bit of a both. I think he's forced a lot. Um, he's turned the ball over. He's trying to make the extra the perfect pass here. And then when you kind of roll those things together, you're going to get a performance like he did on uh, on Sunday. It's talking to Bobby Marks here. All right, Bobby, so the Nets just got swept by the Sixers. Could have won game three, could have won game four, but it was only to delay the inevitable. This team obviously just doesn't have the star power to compete in the Eastern Conference. What lies ahead for them in the offseason? What are some of the changes that you could anticipate coming for them and big decisions? Well, they've got eight players on expiring contracts, uh, including Spencer Dinwiddie and Nick Claxton, um, who could become free agents the following year. Cam Johnson's gonna—they're gonna have to figure out uh, with him this offseason. He's a restricted free agent. Uh, two first-round picks. Um, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think what what happened with Brooklyn this year is that the group with Durant and Irving bought, uh, you know, built them a cushion, uh, and they basically kind of held on to get into that six seed. They won you know, a bunch of games down the stretch here, but the reality is this, this team as is is a 500 team, a playing team, not a six seed in, in the um, uh, in the Eastern Conference. They've got to get shooters. Um, you know, certainly have struggled. I think, you know, as you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is a nice player. I, I think there's an upgrade needed at point guard. Um, you see, certainly down at the you know at the end of some of these games, they struggled in, in the clutch here. So, as I wrote yesterday, you know, they traded you know I guess chaos you know, roster chaos, but with that chance to win a, a championship with Durant and Irving on the roster to stability. But as you saw in the series, it's the window, the, the window to win a championship in Brooklyn is closed right now. And now it's kind of building the roster around the Kale Bridges. And as I said, what, what do they do in the draft? Um, John, Cam Johnson is going to be an important piece. I think the biggest thing for me is what, what happens when that next disgruntled all-star becomes available? Does the failed experiment that they just went through with Harden, Durant, and Irving, does that scare them off? Um, you know, this, it's, it's similar kind of what this team was back in 2018-19, team that plays hard every night, but you get to a certain point of the game where, you know, they certainly struggle down, down the stretch. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fascinating question they're going to have to answer. Bobby, I, I'm watching the, the Celtics right now. They're up 12 on the Hawks. They're going to win this series. And right now, it just feels like that the, with the injury, you know, to Giannis and the Bucks, and then Gerald Embiid. We'll see what happens with that knee sprain. Do you look at the Celtics as right now the favorites to come out the East for the second straight season, or is it still Milwaukee? You know, once Giannis gets back, they're they're going to be that that force to be reckoned with that we expect. Well, I'm interested to see where Embiid is. You know, I mean, what's the health of Joel Embiid? I think if we get Philly-Boston, I mean, that's that's as good as an NBA Finals that we'll see. I mean, that's that's a those two teams are you know you know certainly where Milwaukee is. And I know we could probably talk about Golden State and some of the teams at West, but I mean, a Philly Philly-Boston semifinals. You know, what, what will happen there is that you know who's going to be left standing and what do you have left in the gap in the tank come to come Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Boston, just because of the experience, they haven't had one of these 
injuries, knock on wood, that maybe Philly has, has experienced, that Milwaukee has experienced, that uh, Miami has experienced with Tyler Hero. Um, and certainly it's looking right now that the bracket where New York is in, I mean, could you imagine we get a New York um, – you know, New York, Miami, Eastern Conference semifinals here. <laughs> right. um, that's kind of, yeah. I mean, that's the bracket that you kind of want to be in right now. You don't want to be in that bottom bracket because I said the two teams, you know, if, if somehow Milwaukee gets knocked out, the two teams, the two remaining best, in, best Eastern Conference teams are going to play each other, you know, a series short of a, of a conference final. Talking to Bobby Marks here, you brought up the Warriors, and we're watching that game. Uh, against the Kings, Game Four, and you know Steph made an egregious mistake that we'd never see him make or a star uh, of his caliber make. When he calls a timeout, and his team didn't have timeouts, almost cost him the game. But they still came from away with it with, with the victory. You feel like Golden State's in the driver's seat right now. Can't win on the road, but getting those two games underneath them, the two wins, and now it's a two-two series going back to Sacramento. How do you see uh, the rest of that one playing out? Between the Kings and the Warriors. Golden, yeah, I mean, Golden State's going to have to do something they haven't done really all year, steal a game on the road, right? I mean, I mean, the rea- I mean they could have won game one if you know, on the Wiggins three in the corner. Uh, you know, there's a lot of – hey, there's a lot of pressure on both teams going into a game five. Certainly for Sacramento, you don't want to be faced with a situation where you've got to win on the road to stave off elimination. I think if you're Golden State, you don't want to be, you know – I think Sacramento proved today today that they can win in in in, uh, in in Golden State here. So, you know, it's a best of three series. I mean, this is that's the that's that's the beauty of it. And, and that's the thing with you know, it, the the playoffs is the ultimate roller coaster, right? I mean, you, you know, last week Sacramento goes up two zero, everybody's writing Golden State off. Now it's two two, and now everyone thinks maybe Sacramento is you know dead in the water. Um, so, you know, it's, we'll see what type of adjustments, you know, either team makes on, um, Wednesday. I thought Draymond coming off the bench, at least in the beginning, you know, really gave them a, a lift here because he got pool comfortable. He came off the bench, gave him a spark. But, um, as you said, you know, it came down to, you know, a couple of little things and, and Gold State got fortunate, you know, that the Barnes three missed. And Draymond had that big block too in the game on uh, on Sabonis and stared him down, which was uh, which is funny, you know, considering the history they have in this series. Going to another playoff series. Speaking of injuries, you no know, Kawhi Leonard. It's just it, it's disheartening because you know everyone around Kawhi says you know he works hard to get gets his body right, and we saw him miss an entire year after tearing his ACL. He load managed the season, and in the playoffs he's hurt again. Like, are we too? Uh, are we done seeing the days of Kawhi being a full-time basketball player? I know, I know, you're not a doctor, but it's just uh, watching this happen to him. Like, how can we expect this guy to just be healthy going forward? Well, and you can make the same case for Paul George. You know, I mean, since you know, I was looking at a stat today. Since those two players signed in 2019, they played at 41 percent of the regular season and postseason games. Wow, four seasons. I mean that's that's remarkable, and yeah. I don't know what you do if you're the Clippers here. I mean, you've invested in those two guys, you traded away the farm. Um, you know, Westbrook's performing at his best, I think, because those two guys aren't there, and he's basically kind of an, on an island by himself here. And you know, what do you do? You know, you basically just got to keep your fingers crossed, and hopefully they stay healthy. But as you've seen the last four years, they've not been able to stay healthy. Um, you know, you've you got a you know you, they've got the second highest payroll next year in NBA history, mm. only to Golden State, and you're basically kind of stuck. And you just better hope they stay healthy. And if not, 
you're going to be looking at another situation like they are right now. Meanwhile, for the Suns, it's 2023, and we just saw a basketball team hit nine threes in a playoff win. Durant and Booker are playing a ton of minutes. Chris Paul was awesome late as he was uh, in Game 3. He was awesome at the end of Game 4, too. So the, the, the Suns are up 3-1, should be feeling good, but considering they're not getting a ton of, of help from their bench, their stars are playing high-leverage minutes this early in the playoffs, is there any concern that you know Phoenix could wear down? I think there's concern if they don't win a game five on, uh, on Tuesday night. I think they've got to close out the series just to buy them you know, an extra three or four days of rest if if the next round starts uh, over, over the weekend here, that that would be my concern as far as as long as as long as these series go, you know the workload will you know certainly with Chris and I thought Chris has played really well, um, you know then you're relying a little bit more on on your bench, you know playoff basketball you're, you're shrinking it down to seven you know basically seven man rotation here so I'm not I'm not probably concerned um, quite yet um, but I think if the series goes a little bit longer and I'm expecting it to close out on um, on Tuesday night, um, then then yes, I do it. I would have a concern. Final question for you here, Bobby. How dangerous are the Lakers? They're dangerous. I mean, they're dangerous just because you've got your two main. You know, if AD plays like he did last night in Mem- against Memphis, that's going to be a tough out. And then when you've got your role players like that, and of course you've got LeBron, and you've got a wounded Memphis team right now, basically on the ropes. Um, they are a dangerous team, and you know you could be potentially staring at a Golden State mm-hmm. Lakers conference semifinals with Denver possibly and Phoenix in the top half of the bracket, and that's pretty that's pretty special. And and I think you could flip a coin for any of those four teams right now, and you couldn't have said that you know prior to the trade deadline. Well, we appreciate you joining the show, Bobby. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, take care. Yep, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Let's go to the Bronx and holla at Buddha. What's up, Buddha? What's going on, TB, the franchise? How you been, my bro? Yo, man, I'm doing well. These allergies are just taking it to me like those Knicks bigs are taking it to Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. That's how I feel right now. But I'm hanging yeah, in you there. You like my wife. <laughs> Her eyes looking like Martin. He went up against uh, Thomas Hurst. <laughs> yeah, it's a struggle out here, man. But we here, we here. What's up? Talk to me. All right, listen. You have nothing to be sorry about about your assessment with the Knicks, except that you said the Cavs are fine. Yeah, that was that didn't age well. <laughs> that did not age not well. Too well. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the RJ Barrett thing. You're not wrong about that. Um, and it's not really about just the trade or any of that other stuff. But RJ Barrett, look, and I heard um, the guy John Freehold, he is a good caller, and he makes a lot of good points. RJ Barrett is young. But when you look at the NBA, in my lifetime, there's been like five or six guys that, that didn't have elite athleticism, but they were able to make themselves like an all-star player. You know, obviously Larry Bird, you got Mark Aguirre, you got Adrian Danley, a few other guys. But for the most part in the NBA, you got to have one or two things. You got to either be a great shooter, you got to have elite athleticism, or you have to have elite ball handling. And the thing that hurts RJ Barrett is he doesn't have any of those three. No. So he's a hardworking guy, but there's a cap on where he can go, you know, as a player. You understand what I'm saying? 
Yeah, and and like before we just let's just rewind to to last week before he put together two strong performances. It was like, all right, what does R.J. Barrett do well? And people struggled to answer that question because we really we really didn't know what he did well. So look, I don't want to I don't want to pour rain I don't want to rain on his parade because the last thing that he wants to hear or anyone wants to hear is is that conversation fresh off of the best performance of his career. But that that's where I was in my Archer Barrett criticism that that I thought was very very fair. It is fair. I mean, and he's a try hard guy. And what happens is when you're a try hard guy, everybody roots for you. He's not going to be any problem off the court. He's not going to be any problem in the locker room. But you know how it is in sports. You know, it's a shame. It's a sports is, something, is, a, is, a, is a reflection of life. You could be a bad guy, but if you're really skilled at what you do, you know, society is going to have a little bit more leeway or acceptance of it. You know, but it is what it is. Now, when you look at these other playoff series, everybody, to me, is pretty much the same. But I've seen one team, you know, rise above what everybody else is doing in terms of performance. And it may just be because it's the first round. And it may be because they got, you know, the absolute best opponent who has two guys who one guy is clearly the better player, but they're still relying on the second guy. And that's the um, Denver. You know, Min- you know, Minnesota, Anthony Edwards is the guy. And as long as they keep calling Anthony Towns there and they keep having ambiguity about who's the guy, they're never going to go anywhere because the- the- Anthony Edwards is the guy. But when I look at, at the Nuggets, you know, the same way, like, when I, I heard you talking to Marks, and he was talking about the Sixers, and you were talking about, you know, Embiid's injury. If Embiid is not hurt, you know that's my team. Yeah. If he's not hurt, we clearly, in my mind, started jumping towards the leader of the favorite movies with Giannis hurt, with the Celtics, you know, being very good, but then still having those momentary lapses. But Michael Porter Jr., to me, is very similar, not in terms of the type of player that he is, but the impact that he has on his team as Tobias Harris is to the Sixers. If Michael Porter Jr. is somebody that the Nuggets can depend on for between 18 and 20 points a game, they're going to go to the NBA championship. They can. They can. He's, 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 come on. Now that Murray's back healthy and we're seeing flashes of, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be the player he was in the bubble, but we're seeing flashes, and we know Jokic is he's won back-to-back MVPs. Porter Jr. is not going to play a lick of defense, but he's such a game-changer with his shooter, shooting and his athleticism and what his ceiling is as far as an offensive player. If if those three can figure it out, then this is a team in a wide-open Western Conference that can absolutely get to the finals. What they have is they have what the other teams in the West don't have. First of all, it's depth. But second, I'm glad you pointed into the athleticism about Michael Porter Jr. because when he stays purely perimeter, he gives the defense a break. He can drive to the basket. He has extreme length, and he has good athleticism. You just wonder how long his back can hold up. Yeah. But when you watch Jokic, Jokic, Gordon was the absolute perfect complement to Jokic in the post. Gordon can't shoot a lick. He can't create his own shot, but he got a big man that can create all the shots for him, draws the attention, and gives him a lot of wide open, you know, flex to the basket points. I really, you know, I know you like love the Lakers. I know LeBron's your guy, and and I appreciate LeBron for everything he's done. Dylan Brooks is a clown, but look, if the Nuggets are going to play at their highest level, their highest level is better 
than what the Lakers hires. I don't know about and, that. Know, I, just, I don't know about get, that. Come on, come well, on. So here's the here's the problem with that analysis. I know for a fact that Anthony Davis and LeBron, that tandem, that duo can win a championship. The only thing I know about the Nuggets is that at their best, they were in the Western Conference Finals getting beat by the Lakers in five games. So that like that's where that's where the the, the the divide is. See, listen, I love you to death. And this is the only critique I have of you in terms of a sports head is you're loyal to the guys that you loved as a player. Similar to the, like Aaron Rodgers with the Jets and thinking that they're gonna go to Super Bowl next year. LeBron. No, is I great. stop I it, Buddha. Buddha. I said, Buddha. I I said the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. I said the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. I said that. I said they're going. Excited about it. I didn't say you said they're going to Super Bowl. You you have a thought in your mind that it is a possibility. Okay, to correct that for the masses. All right, with LeBron and AD, you're looking at like we all listen. And I've been there, bro. I know it's like to look at a team for what they could be or what they were. They have a cap, and it's not based on just injury or anything. These guys are older, and their supporting cast, their supporting cast cannot carry them. I mean, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, the guy, the, um, the the guy that LeBron likes to talk about. I forgot his name. He's a good player. But Austin Reeves. Depend on him. Reeves, right? Austin He's Reeves. A good player. You can't depend on him week to week, day to day to give you 20 and such and such. And um, the other guys that they have, they're good supplemental players. But for the Lakers to get to the finals, it means LeBron's got to average 27, 8, and 8, and AD's got to average 30, 10, and 6. And we know with AD, he's going to give you 30 one night, then he's going to give you 15 or 17 the other that's night. That's facts. You, you know that. <laughs> that's you know facts. That. No, listen, you know I, it's not about being loyal to, to, to guys that I love. Well, I, I'm telling you that if the Lakers like if the Lakers play their absolute best, then I think they can contend with anyone. We know since since the trade deadline, they've been one of the best teams in basketball. And defensively, they've, they've been amazing. I, I, I'll give you that. I'll I'll give you that. Um, and obviously, Anthony Davis and LeBron, as they get older, and Anthony Davis, this has been his whole career, but those two haven't been able to stay healthy. And, and if any of them get hurt, they're drawing dead. But what I'm saying is, you get them into the second round, I would actually rather face the Kings because I think they present a matchup that the Lakers can take advantage of. The Kings don't have size. Whereas the Warriors, they can outshoot the like Steph and and Clay can just go off, so that that's a scary uh, matchup for me. But I, I think I I think that they can get to the finals. I also think they can lose in the second round. Well, listen. Last thing I'll say: the, the caveat is exactly what you said. If AD and LeBron could give you their best, but you forgot the last part of that sentence, and that's each and every night, and that's what they can't. That's what happens when you age. That's what happens when you have injury history. I can give you my best tonight. I can't give you my best the night after that. And that's what it's going to take to get to the Western Conference Finals. And that's sort of why I think Denver not only is going to beat the Lakers, but I think that they're probably going to beat the Suns too. Well, I was going to say, they got to the get past the Suns first. But, but look, though, with the Suns, it's the same thing. Booker can give you – I think Booker can give you his best each and every night. And Durant can as well. He can give you his best. But KD, but KD can give you his best two nights, and then the third night he can't. 
I don't agree with that. I I agree with the Chris Paul. I agree with the Chris Paul analysis. The Durant one, I don't agree with. I think Durant, yes, injuries have have plagued him since what was that? The the 2019 torn Achilles. That that's plagued him. But every night he's on the floor, he he's going to be fantastic. His problem is sometimes he's too passive, and that's why they lost Game One against the Clippers. He's standing in the corner while they're running, you know, pin downs for DeAndre Ayton. That shouldn't be happening. but you know what else, Sudo? Let's be honest. There's times, and they don't want to admit to it, and Monty Williams kind of admitted to it, sort of. But his giving you his best also is based on the usage. You understand what I'm talking about? It's the usage. And that's the same thing that happened with them against the series with Milwaukee. His usage was so high that after his foot was on that um, line for that three-pointer, he had nothing in overtime. He couldn't give you his usage. They don't have enough depth. And that's what's going to crush them, yeah. his usage. It's not about him as a player. He's the best player in the league when he's healthy. But his usage rate, that, that, that's what's going to cause it, as well as the Chris Paul thing. But take care, my brother. You know I love you. Much love to you, Buddha. And, look, you, you just pointed out what I think is going to be a fascinating second round of the playoffs. If we get the Knicks past the Cavs, and let's just say Giannis is healthy, I, look, no one's going to want to hear it because I picked the Cavs to win in five, but I think we would all admit that the, the Knicks don't really stand a chance against the Bucks. But let's just say, let's just say that 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 Giannis might be compromised. Then you have a chance against either the Bucks or the Heat. Then on the other side of the bracket, you've got Celtic Sixers. That is tasty as far as the matchup is concerned. You've got two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. That could have been a conference finals. The Sixers has been one of the best teams in the NBA since the start of the the calendar year. They've got the MVP of the league, assuming he's healthy, and they're deep. I watched them in person this past Thursday. Maxi, the leap he's taken this year, has been amazing, and that's crucial for them. James Harden doesn't have to carry the load of being that clutch player that they that the Rockets needed him to be. They need they the the, the Sixers need him to be a playmaker. Hit, hit shots, but we're going to take Maxi and Embiid and, and have them take the, the biggest shots of the game. Tobias Harris plays his role well. The uh, Anthony Mountain, I think, was an underrated trade. So the Sixers have a really good roster that can absolutely beat the Celtics. I just trust that Tatum and Jalen Brown can get their games to a level, like we saw last year, that has them with home court advantage winning that series. And if Robert Williams can stay healthy, which they're going to need against Embiid, I give the Celtics the advantage. And then you go out west, and you've got uh, the Lakers are going to beat the Grizzlies. The, the the Warriors, I'm rooting against them. I don't want to see them win again. But part of me does feel like they've lost their last game of this series. It has to be a psychological... It has to be... How do I say this? It has to crush your psyche if you're the Kings. You expended all that energy to go up 2-0 only to return back home to a best of three and it's 2-2. You lost the game that Draymond was suspended for. The Warriors have, I don't want to say all of the momentum because they probably could have and should have lost this game here if, if Harrison Barnes just hits the three. Harrison Barnes is just doing what he did when he was with the Warriors last, just missing open jumpers. But it's it's one of those games where you know you you probably 
lost an opportunity to win this series because 2-2 game five, can't you see Clay Thompson just hitting eight or nine threes? And then if you go back to to the Chase Center in San Francisco, down 3-2, after being up 2-0, you're drawing dead, and this series is over. But if the Warriors do win this series, then you've got LeBron versus Steph in the second round. And you get that in the playoffs. You know that's a ratings bonanza. That's going to be exciting. Suns-Nuggets is going to be a great series because you have Jokic, who's going to average 25 and 15 against that Suns interior. And then you have Durant and Booker who are going to be special. So I'm looking forward to it. Should be a fun first round, uh, second round, I should say. But these teams got to take care of business. Right now, I'm watching the Nuggets and the Wolves on my TV screen. And Wolves with an early 7-3 to three lead. Jokic in foul trouble. He's got two in the first three minutes and 48 seconds in the game. So we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, little baseball update. Mets... Just lost to the Giants 5-4, to four, so they lose this series. They came in winners of 8 of their last 10. It was Jastrzemski who hit a double to center, RBI double that scored. Peterson, the, the Giants took a 5-4 lead that they were able to nail down and secure the save. So the Mets lose the series to the Giants, and we will discuss that. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Last night, that fight between Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis was amazing. The fight of the year. Boxing struggles when it comes to giving their fans what they want. You want to see the best fighters compete. Sometimes you wait too long to to to, to, to get it done, like we saw with Floyd and Pacquiao. But last night, they delivered, and they deserve a lot of credit for it. The problem with boxing is... Because there are so many different governing bodies and promotions and all the different uh, networks, you don't really get these contracts done and we get the best fight. So when you get Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis in the ring together, it's a huge win. We saw the celebrities out there. with celebrity. I think I saw um, Ashanti and, and Nelly there sitting together. I don't know. Rum- rumor mill. Might What's going on here? But there was a lot of stars out there. Mark Wahlberg was there. I mean, the list goes on. Mike Tyson, Floyd Mayweather, Charlo Brothers. Uh, there was a lot of stars out, out there in Vegas, the, the hub for, for boxing. And uh, it was it was a great night. The fight started off, looked like Ryan Garcia was... Uh, one round one, he was the aggressor. Tank Davis, I don't know. I, sometimes you say a, a fighter look nervous, look scared, but it's just the fact that they're trying to feel it out. They, they, they're not being the aggressor because they're feeling it out. And Tank allowed Ryan to be the aggressor in that first round. And then in the second round, Ryan kept that same energy and was going at him until Tank dropped him. Tank hit him with that left hand, caught him. He was on the mat. He got up. Now, Tank goes on to win the next couple of rounds. Ryan becomes aggressive again. Looks like he got his confidence back in the seventh round. He's going at Tank, and then he took a liver shot that was such a delayed reaction. It was weird, and I tweeted this out. That's one of the oddest endings to a fight that I can remember, and it's not that I've never seen a liver shot before, but it, it just felt like a fight that might go the distance. Both guys were, were going at each other, and... When Tank delivers the, the, the body blow to, to, to Ryan Garcia, he backs up. What is it, like eight, nine seconds later? Then he dropped. And you see Tank look at him, and Tank's like, get up. And Ryan's like, no, I'm not, I'm not getting up. So it, it just, it was anticlimactic. 
two of the best fighters out there. I know there was a lot of uh, controversy over the rehydration clause. Couldn't get they think they weighed in on Friday, weighed in again the day of the fight, and the max weight was 146. So there was a lot of controversy around in that. But I thought it was a really good fight. Here's the corny thing I just came across on Instagram. So apparently King Ryan, check this out, Jacob. King Ryan on Instagram says, Actually sad, I had a mole in my camp. Like WTF. That's crazy. But thank God it's brought to light now. So he's claiming that he had a mole in his camp that gave Tank Davis information before their fight. Which, let's just let's just say this is true. That's not something you should be putting on Instagram the day after you lost. I don't love the sore loser energy. I didn't like Pacquiao coming out after he lost to Mayweather saying he hurt his shoulder in camp. Like, even if that's true, we don't want to hear about it. Just take your L gracefully. And do what you got to do. What he said after the fight was on the money. He, we fought a good fight. He caught me with a great shot. I tipped my hat to him. And I'm paraphrasing. But that's basically what he said. Go out gracefully. We don't want to hear about moles. We don't want to hear about injuries or any excuses. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have any idea about the mole statement he made. I was just about to say, between that and I think he posted a picture with with Tank, and it showed, like, a yeah. great admiration. A picture and, after the fight, And yeah. hoping that, you know, we could do round two when it comes down to it. I didn't, the mole thing, I mean, it kind of, like, throws a damper into it just because he sh- was a great sport, and he is a great athlete. I mean, it, it it felt to me at one point in that fight before the seventh round uh, TKO that Garcia was kind of getting some momentum yeah. as it was going on, you know. He was getting some great hits on Tank. Uh, Tank was clinching a lot, so he's trying to slow him down. And almost figured like he was about to start getting him out. So I'm, I don't like this from Garcia at all. Garcia had the advantage, three inches taller, longer reach. So you felt like immediately to start the fight, that was what helped him be aggressive and win the first round. And then after he got knocked down, he became timid. Because Tank's Tank's a hard hitter, and Tank's got the counter, so you don't want to be too aggressive to the point where you get sat down. So seventh round was when we we started to see him get his confidence back. And again, it's a great fight. There's a rematch clause that can be triggered from Tank Davis's camp. Well, had he lost the fight, he could you know he could ask for a rematch or get the rematch. Tank now has no obligation to give him a rematch. And what would be the incentive now? That you're speculating about a potential mole. I don't like it. This comes off as this is Harvey Cruz's sore loser energy. Where did where did my name come from? This? I don't know. I just felt like taking a shot at you because your Devils all of a sudden they win a game in overtime and now you think they're winning the Stanley Cup. Which well, I didn't go. Not that gonna far. happen. By the way, um, mole or not, ain't no mole gonna help you get up from that liver shot. By the way, yeah, that. <laughs> see, what did the mole tell Tank <laughs> that that helped him land that liver shot that knocked you that knocked you down where you couldn't get up? And even let's honest, honestly, like even if he did have a mole, I mean, you still have to go out there and fight the fight. Exactly. Like. I I don't. It's like someone would have to explain to me like what the mole would do. And I get it's gonna help you. Like if he's training with him for months, and and, and Ryan Garcia was. Coming off of an injury, so he hadn't fought since I believe his last fight was Luke Campbell. So there was an extended absence there. So maybe there was some some strategy that he shared with the other side. But again, even if it's all true, that's not what I'm. And no one wants to hear about that, bro. That's that's a sorry way to go out. And I respect Ryan Garcia because I was hanging out with some folks last night who who said, 
oh, Ryan is soft. Ryan is soft for that. And that is the exact opposite opinion that I have. I don't think he was soft at all. I think he proved he was a warrior. Tank's the better fighter. Tank's the hard, harder hitter. And, you know, Tank is who he is for a reason and, and won the fight. I credit Ryan for going out there and, you know, handling his business. Won the first round. Looked like he might win the se- seventh round. Looked like we could get a fight that went the distance. But, unfortunately, that one shot caught him, and that was all she wrote. But don't be out here putting mole and rumors like that on, on social media. That's a terrible look. It's sore loser energy. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.